The date is getting near. King Charles will be crowned in a month, and he will then parade in London in one of these. Impressive, high up, visible, with an army of supporters lining the route, waving Union Jacks. Shortly after that, the Premier League will finish and the kings of English football will be crowned. Will it be Arsenal? Or Manchester City? Or the true champions, Manchester United? Whichever it is, they will go on a victory parade in one of these. Again, impressive, high up, visible, with an army of supporters lining the route, waving flags. In the time of Jesus, a king in a victory parade entering a city that he was liberating or conquering didn't ride in a coach or a bus, he rode on one of these. A great war horse, preferably one he'd ridden to victory after victory over many years, on the battlefield. Impressive, high up, visible, and with an army of supporters waving swords and spears. This is how a king made his entrance 2,000 years ago. Jesus parades into Jerusalem on one of these. Not impressive, not high up, and not especially visible. In fact, hugely unimpressive. The last time I saw a donkey was on Blackpool Pleasure Beach, where it was offering rides to small children and hobbits. And in fact, Jesus chooses such a young donkey that no one has ridden it before, and it needs its mum to keep it company. And it doesn't even belong to him. He's borrowed it in a slightly unusual fashion from somebody on the way. And his army of supporters isn't waving swords and spears, it's waving branches they've cut off the trees. This is a very unexpected entrance by normal kingly standards. So anyone familiar with kings would be tempted to ask, who is this? But that's not the tone of voice that the people of God use in the passage. Their tone of voice is, who is this? They're not puzzled, they're excited. Because they knew that the king promised by God, who was going to free them from tyranny and oppression and set up a large kingdom, was going to arrive riding on a donkey. A prophet called Zechariah had said it to uh, 500 years before. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the prophecy was coming true with Jesus. So that's why they say, Hosanna to the son of David, because son of David meant king. So at last, this is their expected king. This is a noisy, joyful, excited celebration.
Let's get the feel of this with a donkey race. I'm going to need some volunteers. Well, that was fun. I was going to think about saying, let's do it again. <laughs> so, so Jesus enters Jerusalem on a, on a donkey with a happy crowd around him. And of course, different people in that crowd would want different things. Uh, freedom from the stinky Romans, uh, replacing poverty with wealth, a great big kingdom, that kind of thing. But what Jesus then does is unexpected again. He goes to the temple, which is where you went to worship, and he turns over tables where they change money and where you buy animals for sacrifice. And he starts welcoming in people who are blind and lame, who couldn't come in or they'd pollute the temple. And he lets children run around shouting. Imagine. <laughs> but also shouting praise to him as if he deserves it as much as God does. So there's something there to surprise everybody. And of course, as Easter week goes on, things get more and more unexpected. And as we follow through Easter week, we'll see how Jesus moves towards the cross. And that is definitely not what was expected as God's chosen king. So what's the point? Uh, the point is this. Back to that passage in Zechariah. Righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. So Jesus is powerful, able to save. He has access to unimaginable, incredible resources. And he is gentle. He doesn't exploit those resources, but uses them for acts of kindness with patience. And he is righteous. So he uses that power in precisely the right directions so that situations and hearts are changed. So that's why he overturns the tables. That's why he heals the blind and the lame. That's why the children run around shouting. And that's why he accepts praise. It's really to say, I have come to give you, all of you, access to the living God, regardless of your money, regardless of whether you know him already or not, regardless of your age, and regardless of whether you are good enough or not. And the, the world is used to leaders who range from reasonable to dreadful, and even those who are excellent fall short. And the possibility there could be a leader like this, who uses awesome power in a way that is righteous and gentle, seems incredible. No human being could manage it because they'd break apart under the strain. But here we do have it. Perfectly balanced, never overreacting, gentle but never excusing, never lashing out, but unafraid to tackle situations, hearts and minds. So this is Jesus, our unexpected king. We're about to pick up some palm crosses. They're not terribly impressive things. In fact, they're rather like a donkey, small and insignificant. But they speak of Jesus on the cross, not a victim or a criminal, but a king, righteous and gentle and powerful. Let me suggest three very short things you could think about as you pick up your palm cross. The first one's this. He rides towards you. You may be sitting in church 
wondering about him. Who is this? I wonder if you know the uh, words of that great theologian, Meatloaf. And like a sinner before the gates of heaven, I'll come crawling on back to you. But heaven does not have shut gates. Heaven's gates are open. The gates Jesus focuses on are in another place, in your heart and mine. He's not just a teacher of ideas or a moral example or even a prophet with a cause. All of those you can put at a safe distance outside your gates. But instead, he rides up to those gates, the steadily approaching king clothed in power, which might make you feel nervous, except he is riding on a donkey and therefore poses no danger. He comes to you, he knocks on the gate, gentle and open-handed, and says, may I come in? If that's you, um, uh, you can see at the back, uh, there's a small uh, booklet called Why Jesus? Do take one, they're free. And it will explain more to you about who he is and why he matters. The second thing you might think about is he changes you. You may know the prayer of St. Patrick. Here's a line from it addressed to Jesus. This day be within and without me, lowly and meek, yet all-powerful. The, the language is a bit old-fashioned. Uh, lowly and meek really means righteous and gentle and powerful. But the point is clear. And I don't know about you, but I need that prayer every day. This day be within me and without me, lowly and meek, yet all-powerful. One small example, uh, when I go up the stairs to put my children to bed, and it turns out that the bedroom is a mess, the teeth uncleaned, the pyjamas unworn, the clock past bedtime, I need gentleness, and power. <laughs> Gentleness so I do not get cross with my children. Power so that I can ensure that bedtime happens. Maybe you have power, but you need gentleness. Maybe you are gentle, but you need power. You and I can receive those from him and learn from him that combination, that tender, retrained use of power for the benefit of others. Our book for the year uh, is Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. Uh, if you haven't got it and read it yet, uh, it's a very good book. I've only just started it, but it's a very good book. Recommended. The third thing you might think about is he may surprise you. He can act in unexpected ways, and one writer talks about being receptive to unexpected manifestations, long word, isn't it? Uh, just talking about events, if unexpected manifestations of God's love and power.
power. That might affect our money or our church worship. It will bring fresh access to God's presence. It will welcome in new and unlikely people and it will identify areas for change. But unexpected does not mean random or uncontrolled. Jesus is utterly reliable in bringing the deep benefits that he knows we as human beings and as his church need. The Easter week was totally beyond anyone's expectations, but it ended in the salvation of the world. I remember a, a number of years ago now, I was helping on an Alpha course, and we had a, a man on the course called Mark, and Mark was a rock. He was built like a rock. There wasn't an ounce of spare flesh on him. He had a voice like a rock, and he even climbed rocks in his spare time. And it was on the Alpha Day Away where we explain more about God's empowering presence. And we invite that empowering presence, just like we as a church did last Sunday at the uh, church weekend at home. And I was watching the group, and I saw Mark standing there. And I watched as his hands went up like that. I thought, that's interesting and unexpected, because... I wouldn't have thought Rocky would do that. So I went to talk to him a little later. I said, Mark, what was going on there? Can you explain? He said, my hands just went up of their own accord. And that was unexpected. But what happened inside him at that point was he gave his life to Jesus Christ and he opened up those gates. That was the deep benefit that Jesus brought. So there we are, three things to think of. He rides towards you, he changes you, he may surprise you.